0: John Brown's body lies a mouldering in the grave, while weep the sons of bondage, whom he ventured all to save. But though he sleeps, his life was lost while struggling for the slave. His soul is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Welcome to War of the Rebellion
1: Stories. Of the Civil War. I'm your host, Leon, and this is a reading of the Personal History Reminiscence of the 19th Massachusetts Regiment by Captain John G. B. Adams. Chapter 14 Columbia Presidential Election. We arrived at Columbia in a drenching rain were taken out of the cars, and remained in a field near the depot until the next morning. We had no chance to make a fire, and were wet, cold, and hungry. Along the tracks were cars filled with families who had fled from Charleston and Atlanta. We saw several very beautiful ladies among them, dressed well and wearing jewelry, but they were silent and sullen. We were guarded by the Columbia cadets, a fine body of young men from the military school. The command was given to fall in, and we were informed that we must march about a mile to a campground, and should be made very comfortable. On the way, we passed the Confederate money factory. As the girls employed there came to the windows, we called to them, to throw us out a bushel or two, as they could make plenty more, they laughed, threw kisses at us, and for a moment we forgot that we were prisoners, and felt that we were going out on a picnic. We marched about two miles, and arrived at our campground. This consisted of several acres, covered with a second growth of wood. A guard line was made around it, and sentries were posted. Twenty feet from the guard line was the deadline. This time, it was a furrow plowed around the camp. Our cadet guards were relieved by the militia, and we were turned in like so many hogs. These were the comfortable quarters promised. The wood and water were outside the lines, and we had to wait our turn to go out. No sinks were provided, and only twelve men were allowed out, at a time. It was terrible. Nearly every man in prison suffered from diarrhea. It was no uncommon sight to see 100 men standing in line. Many were obliged to remain there nearly all the time. We were in this condition for more than a week. Then, eight axes and ten shovels were given the 1,500 prisoners." And the guard line was extended an hour a day To give us a chance to cut wood and gather brush for shelter Our little mess located under a tree And our rule was that one should always be at home But for some cause one day all were absent for a few moments And when we returned could not find where we lived As our tree had been cut down We had heard much of the sunny south, and did not expect cold weather, but the night of October 9th was so cold that we could not sleep, and a white frost covered the ground in the morning. Our rations were in keeping with the place, a pint of cornmeal, bitter, and half bran a day, and a pint of sorghum molasses for five days. We named the prison camp sorghum. Many could not draw the molasses, having nothing to put it in, but my old pitcher worked in handy for that purpose. As soon as possible, we began to build huts. We increased our mess to five, one having a blanket. We dug a hole in the ground two feet deep, covered it with poles set up on ends, then with brush and outside a coating of dirt. This was first-rate, when it did not rain, but as soon as the dirt became wet, it would soak through the brush and drop on us as we tried to sleep. At night, four would lie down, then the fifth would squeeze in, covering us with our only blanket. When we wanted to turn over, someone would say, About. The odd man would get up, all turn over, then he would jam in again. So we lay, packed like sardines in a box, keeping alive from the warmth we received from each other. After a while, sinks were dug, and the lines extended so as to take in the brook that ran in the rear of the camp. Nearly all the men were barefoot, and it was laughable to see us wash. We stood in the water, which was very cold, and danced while we washed our faces and hands. Besides our other troubles, we were in constant fear of being shot by the guard. One evening, as we were gathered in little groups around the fires, we heard a shot, and saw Lieutenant Young of the 4th Pennsylvania Cavalry throw up his hands and fall dead. Upon investigation, we learned that one of the guards had asked another if he supposed he could hit a man at that distance, a doubt being expressed He drew up his piece and fired, with the result as stated. Another time, an officer was waiting with his axe on his shoulder to go out for wood. He was standing several feet from the deadline when the guard fired, killing him instantly. We made every possible effort to have the rebel officers take some action that would prevent our comrades from being murdered. The guard who did the shooting was relieved one day, and the next appeared on duty on the front line of the camp. As far as we could learn, he was never reprimanded. The presidential election was drawing near, and was the subject for discussion in the prison. The rebels were much interested in it, and their papers were filled with complimentary words for General McClellan, the Democratic nominee, They were sure that his election would bring peace, and that the South would gain its independence. They tried to impress us with the idea that the election of McClellan meant liberty for us, but as much as we desired release from captivity, we had learned that what the rebels desired was just what they ought not to have. The election was held October 17th. Why that day was selected I do not remember but it was possible because we could not wait longer. We were to vote by states, the senior officers of each having charge of the poll. It was an exciting day. General McClellan had many warm friends who had followed him in battle and loved him as their first commander. But it was evident by the debates that Honest Abe Lincoln was the favorite with the majority. The polls opened at 9 a.m., The ticket distributors were on hand as at home. I think the polls closed at 12 a.m. Then all rushed to the bulletin board where the returns were posted to learn the result. Lincoln received 1,023, McClellan 143, and 204 did not take interest enough to vote. We Republicans were delighted and expressed our joy by giving three hearty cheers. It told us that a large majority believed in the wise administration of Abraham Lincoln. And although many of them had been imprisoned 16 months, their faith had not been shaken. The excitement did us all good. The vote of Massachusetts was Lincoln, 43, McClellan, 5. The only states that went for McClellan were Kentucky and Tennessee. Kentucky gave McClellan 15, Lincoln 13, Tennessee McClellan 31, Lincoln 26. We had another pleasant event. One day, some boxes came in, sent by our sanitary commission. They contained drawers, shirts, handkerchiefs, and a few dressing gowns. There was enough for one article to each officer, and we drew them by lots. McGinnis was lucky as he drew a dressing gown, and his clothing being worn out, he used it for a full suit. He had been sick, and his hair had fallen from his head. He looked like the priest all shaven and shorn. As he walked about the prison, I was not so fortunate, as I only drew a handkerchief the wardrobes of all required replenishing. I wore the same shirt I had on when captured, and although it had not been washed oftener than was necessary, it was too thin for comfort. My light blue pants were worn at the knees and fringed at the bottoms, so I cut off the skirts of my dark blue coat to repair them. My hat was open at the top, and the rim was nearly separated from the crown. I found an old piece of tent and made a new crown, and with the thread raveled out of the canvas sewed on the rim. My boots were worn out, and my feet were bare. No meat of any kind was issued to us at Columbia, but we drew some one day quite unexpectedly. A wild boar rushed out of the woods. It passed the guard and came into the camp. Everyone was after it and Captain Brown, of a Pennsylvania regiment, threw himself on the back of the hog, and with his knife cut its throat. Without waiting to dress it, he began cutting off pieces and throwing them to the crowd. The smell of fried pork soon pervaded the camp, and in fifteen minutes after the boar passed, the guard, every particle was devoured. Once in a while... An officer would trade for a little meat. And while they did not entertain company frequently, they sometimes gave banquets. Captains Hastings and Creasy, and Lieutenants Cross, Moody, and Chute messed together. One day they obtained a shin bone with a little meat on it, and were going to have a grand dinner. I was invited as their special guest. They had some rice and made dumplings out of their cornmeal ration. Captain Hastings was cook, but we sat around to rake the fire and make suggestions. We would taste of it as it boiled, and could hardly wait for the captain to pronounce it cooked. The kettle rested on two sticks, and just as we were getting ready to take it from the fire, the back stick burned in two and over went the soup. We looked at each other, for five minutes, without speaking. Then I arose, said I guess I would not stop to dinner, and went back to my quarters a hungry, broken-hearted man. The officers were constantly escaping. Every night the guard would fire, and while no one was wounded, we knew someone had passed out. The rebels called the roll or counted us every day. This was done by driving all to the deadline and counting from right to left. After the right had been counted, we would skip down through the camp and fall in on the left. In that way, we made our number good. But so many were recaptured and brought back that they mistrusted what we were doing and made us stand in line until all were counted. Chapter 15, The Escape. And that will be the end of our episode today. A little short, 15 minutes, but that's all of chapter 14, so I apologize. But I'm going to get this out to you guys a little bit early this week, so enjoy the uh, <laughs> the back-to-back episodes, and then you're going to have to wait until next Thursday for the next one. But... And, of course, it's a a juicy episode, right, where he goes on his first escape. So this is a very short but a delicious episode. So let's get right into it, my friends. So at this point, it sounds really bad when it comes to Maltrition and his health so far in captivity. I think we're starting to get to see the kind of the end point for him. So first off, his mess, his friends... They're all camping underneath a tree, and someone's always supposed to be there guarding the tree. And then one day, they all happen to be gone at the same time, and the tree gets cut down. And you know what? I bet there was a ton of drama around that tree. Who got the parts? Who cut it up? Maybe they were all strategically pulled away from it so it could happen. I mean... There's got to be drama behind that tree if you're using it as shelter in a camp and everyone needs the wood. Oh, man. So the next part he moves on to, though, is they build a little shelter because they have one blanket that they all kind of cram into. And he says they're packed like sardines in a box, four guys laying down and then one kind of jumping in the middle and then just covering them up with a blanket. Just what a really awful way to go to sleep every night. My goodness, and I do want to make a very special note about the two American officers that are murdered in cold blood here. Uh, the first is Lieutenant Young of the Fourth Pennsylvania Cavalry, and the second is a unnamed soldier who we didn't know. Well, I just wanted to take a brief moment to remember them. Nobody probably has. Remembered these gentlemen since they were killed. Uh, maybe sometime afterwards, but it's probably been at least a hundred years. So I have a drink with me. It's got some rum in it. And I just thought I would like to have a toast to both of them. To Lieutenant Young of the 4th Pennsylvania Cavalry and our unknown officer, also mentioned. these two men who answered their nation's call and were murdered for it. But answered they did. They sacrificed their lives on the altar of freedom and the ideal of liberty and justice for all. Till Valhalla, boys. Now... The election section of this chapter is pretty great. I liked it. The Rebs are trying to convince everyone that electing McClellan is is good for them. I'm sure they thought so. Anything to get to disrupt, you know, Abraham Lincoln's war effort. And such a great, great quote. What the Rebels desired is what they ought not to have. So that, I agree with that. So uh, he broke it down as... The camp election was for Lincoln, 1,023, for McClellan, 143, and for those who did not vote, 204. The last couple of stories are really interesting. He talks about the Sanitary Commission um, having a delivery, and everyone gets to choose one item, and he got a handkerchief, which is just so brutal. I feel so so bad for him, right? If somebody else has got like a full bodysuit. Jumper onesie kind of thing going on. And he's stuck with just uh, something he can mop his brow with. Oh, Uh, but the wild boar coming into the camp and everyone just tearing it apart. Like dudes just cutting it up and what a joy that 10 minutes must've been when they were just, but I mean, how do you give that to so many people? How do you divide up, one boar amongst a thousand people. My goodness. So. Um, but the worst is when he's invited to his friend's banquet. They have dumplings. They're making a soup. Right. They've been saving up their food. It's a kettle on two sticks. And can you imagine what the smell must have been like for men who were starving? Oh, and then it just right before you eat, it just tips over, and all the soup just falls out onto the ground. He mentions that they look at each other for five minutes without talking, and then he just basically says, "I'm just gonna go starve in my bed." <laughs> What's? Oh my gosh! Like, yeah, what else are you gonna do, right? Oh. My heart just breaks for this guy. What an incredible story of survival. I mean, really. So, which is what makes next week so exciting, uh will be chapter 15 titled Escape. That is going to be released next Friday. So, that's November 10th. The Marine Corps birthday. So, I will get that out to you guys uh Friday morning. You'll I'll I'll post it Thursday night, Friday morning, but Uh, anyway I gotta go I've got so many things to do Um, if you're listening to this right after it has been published then come stop by the YouTube channel War of the Rebellion I am going to be streaming with the lads as we fight um, either against the Union or for the Confederacy in the the game War of Rights so you can come stop by and take a look But uh, anyway with that I will see you in the next episode
0: bye bye John Brown's body lies moldering in the grave While weep the sons of bondage whom he ventured all to save But though he sleeps his life was lost while struggling for the slave His soul is marching on Glory, glory, hallelujah Glory, glory, hallelujah Hallelujah, for a soul is marching on. A hero, undaunted, true and brave In Kansas knew his valor when he fought her rights to save And now though the grass grows green above his grave His soul is marching on Glory, glory, hallelujah Soul is marching on Harper's Ferry with us, 19 men, so few, and frightened old Virginie till she trembled through and through. They hung him for a traitor, themselves a traitorous crew, but a soul is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. John was John the Baptist of the Christ we are to see? Christ, who of the bondmen shall the liberator be? And soon, throughout the sunny south, the slaves shall all be free, for his soul is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah! Glory, glory, hallelujah! on. The conflict that he heralded, he looked from heaven to view on the army of the Union with its flag red, white, and blue, and heaven shall sing with anthems or the deed they mean to do for a soul is marching on. of freedom, then strike while strike you may. The death blow of oppression in a better time and way. The dawn of old John Brown has brightened in the day, and his soul is marching on.